Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whatever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. They were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood, and has often cast him into fire and into water and to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciple asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out but by anything but prayer. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, thank you, Butch. Well, the title of my message today is Fatherhood, Friendship in Jesus. Uh, but before we dive into our passage, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, have you ever run into trouble and not known what to do? For years, every summer, our family took a trip to the mountains of North Carolina to escape the busyness of life here in Charleston and the heat of Charleston. This trip served as a means of not only unplugging from life, but plugging into God's creation together. And typically, we take this trip in June. Now, some of you may have heard this story before, but our family loves to go to a particular lake in North Carolina called Lake Glenville. Have any visited Lake Glenville before? Some? Yes, it sits just north of Cashers, and I'm told it's the highest lake east of the Mississippi. And if you've enjoyed it, you know how clear and refreshing it is. Well, one particular summer, I decided to leave ahead of my family in my truck uh, to make my way to Lake Glenville. And I was carrying all of our paddleboards on top of my truck. I think I had tr three paddleboards stacked up high, and I had 
way too much luggage in the back, and, and I looked like a 21st century Griswold. Any of you know that, that way, mom, dad, packing, hoping you just get there without stuff flying off your vehicle? So I, I headed out to Lake Glenville, and you know what? I made it. I made it safely. However, the same could not be said for Carly. Carly and our kids were running late that particular summer for that trip, and she even phoned me at one point to say, hey, babe, I almost just ran out of gas. Still, she said, we're going to get there. Don't worry about it. We'll be there at nightfall. And so that first evening, I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and guess what? No Carly, no kids. So what happened? Well, somewhere along the journey, Carly's phone lost its connection. It lost its signal, its GPS signal. So her digital map uh, went dark. And as darkness settled in, Carly was left not knowing what to do. And now uh, keep in mind, I know we have some people from the mountains here, keep in mind that roads just don't go north and south in the mountains, right? They kind of squiggle here and there and go around this mountaintop and this valley, right? And also keep in mind, they do not provide uh, streetlights in the mountains. So what did my bride do? Well, in her infinite wisdom, she just started taking random roads and praying for a miracle. <laughs> and eventually she came to a sign in the middle of the road that said, road closed, construction ahead. So guys, Carly was not only stuck, she was lost in the darkness of the North Carolina mountains. And just to show you the craziness of what my wife was trying to navigate that evening, I took a screenshot of uh, Lake Glenville. And if you look at the blue-green club on the lower left-hand side, she was lost somewhere in those squiggly white roads, right? So what ended up happening to Carly and our kids that evening? Well, she turned around. And she started driving again, and she eventually came across an older woman in a beat-up vehicle who was all tatted up, all pierced up, smoking a cigarette, who flagged her down and said, Honey, are you okay? You look lost. And after admitting she was, in fact, lost, the woman said, Do you want me to show you the way? If so, follow me. So my wife and this woman and our kids, they started driving down this road together in the dark in the mountains. It was a bit scary, I'm told. It was a bit awkward. It was quiet in the vehicle until from the back of the vehicle, our daughter, Sailor, said, Mama, do you think she's an angel? Now, you'd think this would elicit joy and laughter and unity, but Caden, our oldest, felt led to correct his sister in that moment. And he said, Sailor, angels don't smoke. Which caused Carly to bark back, Caden, how do you know? How, how do you know angels don't smoke? Have you ever met an angel? <laughs> the entire ride from almost running out of gas to uh, getting lost to eventually getting found to having a deep theological discussion on angelic interventions was quite the riot, I'm told. Thankfully, Carly and the kids under the moonlight did make it to the cabin that night. Circling back to our opening question, have you ever run into trouble and not known what to do? It could be in a lighthearted situation, as I've just described, or it could be facing something heavy in life, like a diagnosis, like a disruption, 
like some ongoing difficulty in your family? Have you ever run out of answers and not known what to do? Today's Father's Day. I recognize it can be a joyous occasion for some and a painful occasion for others. Some of us had great dads, good men, faithful men. Others did not. Some of us are currently fathers waking at crazy hours to lend a helping hand or working crazy hours to provide for our families. Still others are not. This day, like Mother's Day, can be a mixed bag of emotions, can it? Well, in light of Father's Day, I thought it'd be fitting to look at a passage where we see a dad's response to Jesus over his son's needs. It's a clear situation where he, the dad, doesn't know what to do. And while this passage does not explicitly deal with friendship, its principles still apply across that spectrum as well. So listen, whether you're young or old, a dad or not, This sermon will apply, I believe, to everyone here today. Just think of Luke chapter 5, of when friends lowered their paralyzed friend on a mat through a roof to, to get to Jesus. A desperate faith does things like that. It cries out, it reaches out, it calls out for help when it runs out of answers. And that's what we'll see in Mark 9. And this leads us to our big idea, our big takeaway from our passage Be it as a father or a friend, the impact of our faith is measured not in how hard we try, but in how true we trust in Jesus. And we'll unpack this through three points. Point one, faith acknowledges we're not in control. Point two, faith acknowledges we all struggle with trust. And point three, faith acknowledges all things are possible through Jesus. So let's dive in. Point one, faith acknowledges we're not in control. The passage begins, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And he, Jesus answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, in order to understand our passage, we need to understand what happened right before our passage in the earlier verses in Mark chapter 9 in what is known as the transfiguration. You ever heard of that before, the transfiguration? It's where Jesus had just brought his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountaintop where they had experienced a divine and unforgettable encounter. Specifically, right in front of their eyes, Jesus had been transformed So his clothes had been as bright as lightning and as white as snow. And Moses and Elijah had then shown up and spoken with Jesus. Unsurprisingly, this had terrified these three disciples. Furthermore, on this mountain, we read that a voice from above then proclaimed to Peter, James, and John, quote, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Again, it was a sensory overload experience. 
for the three disciples. And then finally, as these men descended the mountain, we discovered that the point of the entire mountaintop experience was to unveil the true identity of Jesus, that Jesus was and is the Messiah, and that all of the promises of God do in fact find their yes in him. That's the backdrop of our passage, and it's important. It's so important that in the history of the church, if we fast forward to the 16th century, the Catholic Church even commissioned the great Raphael of the Italian High Renaissance period to actually paint it, this transfiguration. And friends, here's the picture of that work. Painted on wood and measuring, listen to this, the size, 160 inches by 110 inches. It took Raphael four years to paint, from 1516 to 1520. And it's described by his biographer, Vasari. It was, quote, the most famous, the most beautiful, the most divine of Raphael's work. It was so popular over the last several centuries that even Napoleon Bonaparte at one point had it stolen. It's since been recovered and sits in Vatican City and the Vatican Museums. Now look closely at it with me. Note the use of light versus darkness, beauty versus chaos. On the top, we see a transfigured Jesus radiating with glory with Moses on his left and Elijah on his right. Then immediately beneath them, we see the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, bowing in reverence and covering their eyes because of Jesus's brilliance. And now let your eyes fall and look lower. It's as if a different world exists, a different painting exists. Here on the bottom half of the painting, we see that some people look angry. Some look confused. Some even look lost. There's finger pointing in multiple uh, places in the picture. And if you look closely at the lower right-hand corner, what do you see? You see the dad holding his suffering son. There's darkness and combativeness here, here in this picture and here in our passage today. And I think Raphael captures the mood well. Diving back into our passage, as Jesus comes down the mountain with his disciples, those three disciples, there's a fight nearly breaking out with the crowd. Did you catch it? They're arguing, this, these religious scribes with Jesus' other disciples. It's a tense scene. Why? Well, it's tense because in those days when a man is sent in another man's place, he represents the man himself. In our passage, we read that after a dad had brought his sick son, tormented son, to Jesus' disciples, they had been unable to heal him. Consequently, these scribes are basically saying to those disciples, you guys are frauds. And more than that, this Jesus who you follow is a fraud. And it's into this chaos that in walks Jesus. It's like a Hollywood movie script. So first we see combativeness and darkness, but that's not all we see. We also see what? Desperation. It is a desperate scene. At the heart of the matter was a dad with a very ill son who needed help. In fact, the other gospel accounts of this story share that the dad dropped to his knee to beg Jesus for help. And he shared that the boy was not only his only 
son. It was his only child. Just imagine the stakes were high, the desperation higher. It's as if the emotions are popping off the page here. Combativeness, darkness, desperation. That's what we see. And behind all of it is the reality that everyone present had run out of answers. No one knew to whom or what to turn for help. And allow me to pause here and ask this question. Can you relate? Can you relate to living in a world of chaos and combativeness where there's finger pointing here and there and accusations all around us? I can, right? Can you relate to the darkness? Maybe it's darkness around you or darkness, it seems, that's coming in on you. Sure, others have tasted the goodness of God, but not you and not lately. Maybe that's you today. Or can you relate to being a father or a friend who's desperately tried to help a loved one? Be it for sickness or health, perhaps for an addiction or something else, maybe around finances or even a crumbling relationship. You've prayed for hope. You've prayed for healing. You've prayed in the thick of night for the dawn of day, for something, anything. Maybe that's you this morning, desperate for yourself or somebody else. And friends, all of this is what we see in our passage today. Point one, faith acknowledges we're not in control. This leads us to point two. Faith acknowledges we all struggle with trust. Now, just to lighten the mood one more time, return with me to my story a couple years ago to Lake Glenville. Now, typically when we go up to the mountains, we hike in the mornings. I see some North Carolinians we hike in the mornings around Cashers, and then we swim in Lake Glenville in the afternoons. Here's a picture of Lake Glenville. I'll tell you what, I'd grab Aaron and I'd dive in right now if I could through this screen. It's so refreshing. Well, that first afternoon on the same exact trip in which Carly and the kids got lost, as we were making our way down to that dock, Blaze turned to me and he said, Dad, I am not swimming this year. And this definitely took me by surprise. He loves to swim. He loves adventure. And so I asked him, why not, Blaze? And serious as a heart attack, he looked me in the eyes and he said, sharks? <laughs> there are no sharks in this lake, I said. Trust me, where did you hear that? Blaze said, Books? I said, what books? He said, I don't remember. And then he, and then he went on. But I, but I do know, Dad. I do know bull sharks swim up the Mississippi, so I'm not getting in this lake. But Blaze, I said, the Mississippi's a long way from here, several states over. I don't think you, I don't think you have to worry about it. How would they get over here, I asked. Dad is serious as a heart attack. Streams. <laughs> then he sat on the dock waiting for his siblings to be eaten alive by the sharks of Lake Glenville. That's a true story. You see, Blaze had lost the ability to trust. Somewhere along the line, fear had taken over and had a grip on his heart. And life does that to us, doesn't it? We take hits here, and we develop scars there. 
And before you know it, we're shutting down and shutting off pieces of ourselves. And in our passage today, that's what's happened to the dad in life. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at his mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. It's often cast him into fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see, the boy's physical state revealed the father's spiritual state. Somewhere in life, he'd come to a place where he didn't know whom or what to trust. For the sake of his son, it sounds like he'd gone to the greatest lengths to get him help, but to no avail. He'd watch his son suffer again and again and again, and it sounds like the dad was worn to the bone. Once more, the dad didn't know whom or what to trust, including Jesus in our story, if you can, if you can help. Now, pulling back again for a minute, maybe that's you today. Perhaps in your life, you have faced great pain as well. Or perhaps you've walked with a child, a spouse, or even a close friend who's suffered great pain. Pieces of you are not only shattered, they're dead. You don't, you don't know whom, to whom or what to trust. And what does this passage show us here? It shows us that pain and suffering and shutting down are normal aspects of life. And it's okay. It's okay to deal with these feelings and these experiences. It's okay to struggle with trust. Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. Point two, faith acknowledges we struggle with trust. Point three, faith acknowledges all things are possible through Jesus. Friends, listen, I know I've been heavy on the uh, swimming illustrations, but one more swimming illustration, okay? Stick with me, Mac. I know you just came back from a 90-mile bike ride. When I was a little boy, our family went on vacation, and the hotel we stayed at had a pool. Now, on this vacation, my dad was determined to teach my brother and me how to swim, so being the brave little man I was, little, little guy, I put on my little trunks. I put on my little inflated water wings. I put on my sunscreen with the help of my mama. And I walked on the hot, the blazing hot Florida concrete next to the pool. And I got to the side of the pool. And every day, my dad would be in the pool with his arms stretched far, encouraging me to jump. But what do you think I'd do? I'd stand there in fear with my knees practically knocking together in terror and I'd walk away. And this pattern happened again and again. Finally, near the end of our trip, I gave it one more go. I told my dad, dad, I think I'm ready. So we walked across the blazing hot concrete one more time. My dad got in, I stared down at my dad and he said, Paul, I've got you, jump. And yet I stood there frozen in fear. And again, patiently, tenderly, yet firmly, my dad said, Paul, I've got you and I love you. I won't let anything happen to you. Now jump. 
And I closed my eyes and I extended my arms and finally leapt into the arms of my father. To this day, I remember the joy in his eyes and the whiskers on his face as he held me in the water saying how proud he was of me. It's quite the story, right? Yet it contains a twist. A few years ago, when my brother and I asked our father to recall the story, the details were much the same with one exception. What was it? Well, when my father and I, excuse me, when my brother and I each closed our eyes to jump, it turns out we didn't jump at all. Instead, our father, in his grace, moved closer to us when we closed our eyes and we leaned, as we leaned forward in fear, he gently took us off the edge and into the water. It turns out we were in his arms every step of the way. You see, faith, even when all it can do is lean, finds its way into the arms of our loving Father. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was coming, running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. This passage contains one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And it's the very one that brought this prodigal, me, home to the father as a freshman in college. I believe, help my unbelief. That's all it took for me and that's all it will take for you. Moreover, it's all it will take for your friend or loved one to experience some kind of covering of God's grace. I believe, help my unbelief. That's leaning, that's trusting. Friends, that is faith. Now look, I'm not suggesting that there won't be pain, there won't be sorrow, and there won't be loss in life. But I am suggesting that our Heavenly Father has extended his loving arms to each one of us. How so? His arms have been extended through Christ, through Jesus, to you and to me. That is the good news that we read in Scripture. I am the resurrection and the life, said Jesus. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Meaning even though we will face death and our friends and family members will face suffering and death, we'll find life on the other side of all of it in Jesus. Yes, it's a mystery, but friends, it's also a promise. Do you believe, Jesus asked, all things are possible for one who believes, be it as a father or a friend, the impact of our faith is measured not in how hard we try, but in how true we trust or how we lean into 
Jesus' arms. All things are possible for one who believes. So one fellowship, take heart today and trust him. Trust Jesus with your darkness. Trust Jesus with your pain. Trust Jesus in your desperation. And yes, even trust Jesus with your loved ones. Close your eyes, lean forward and take that leap of faith on behalf of yourself or someone you know and say like the dad in our story, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. As one theologian beautifully put it, true faith is unconditional openness to God. A decision in the face of all to the contrary that Jesus is able. Jesus is able, friends. Jesus is able. As a father and as a friend, listen, Jesus is able. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Let's go to God in prayer and lean in to his love together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good news that you have extended your love to each one of us in Jesus. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. There's someone that's heavy on your heart this morning. I just invite you to silently pray for them at this moment. God, we bring these friends and family members and neighbors, coworkers to you. God, would you extend your grace to them as you extend it to all of us? Would you break breakthrough in their lives and in our lives today? Help us to be raw and real and lean like this father. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. We pray this in Jesus. Jesus is holy and wonderful and mighty name. Amen.